You good? Boy. Welcome to the Joust. My name is Nagy. I'm here as always with my co-host Liam McNeil. Now, Liam, we another win on the weekend. That's two, two Isn't in a row. It just the most amazing thing you've ever experienced. Two in a row with a p- p- potential, yeah, with a possibility of a third. Yes. Well, that's it. well, that's where the possibility comes. You, that's you, quite something. You get two, and then the possibility of a third. Because you can't get the third if you haven't got the second. That's Such right. Such is you know the, the intricacies, I suppose, of mathematics. Yeah, it's um, it was a marvelous game to watch, only because we won. Um, but to it was such a game that especially our last few outings against the Titans. It seems like uh, it went the same story of us sort of being slightly competitive, maybe getting on the board first, and then 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 piling on points. And I think we've had a few games where it's been like thirty to eight uh, around that, like where they've just run away with it, and it looked like it was going to be the same. And that's it. I wasn't confident, especially given what happened last time against the Titans, which we discussed uh, with a good friend of the show, Barry Tui, where yeah. we got out to a lead, they came back, built more of a lead. I was I was getting some flashbacks, Nagy. I was starting to worry. I was. I was concerned, but then, uh, you know, the nous of our more experienced players, our big game players, really uh, really got us through. It really showed uh, with those players coming back, um, obviously players that weren't there against the Bulldogs, so they're building up a bit of a, you know, um, a bit of a, bit of a mass of players that of, of experience uh, with Pierce, uh, Lockie Fitz, uh, and there was another player, and Ross as well, Ross coming Ross back coming as well. Ross coming back as well. Coming back on the wing as well, I like that, that he was back on the wing, I think wing's his best position, uh, and uh, SKD to the centre, something that we spoke about uh, as a possible move very early in the season, I thought it got to the point where it's like, well, they're not going to try him there. And, he, you know, he managed, and in the end, getting out uh, the last try, which happened to win us the game. Which, that try looked very familiar, didn't it, Nagy? Do you remember seeing a try quite like that before to win a game? It looked very much like the 97 try. It was 1997, <laughs> Nagy, going down the blind, the flick back inside, Albert to score, except this case it was Sean. It's, it was one of those games that you just don't see as a Knights fan. You don't see us down 14 points in the second half and come back and win it. Uh, you know, to have to score three times and, and you know, to score 20 unanswered points in the end, uh, in the second half. So it was uh, amazing to see. And still with time on the clock, the the Titans had an opportunity to come back and, and take that back off us or at least push it a golden point. And they shit the bed. They shit the bed. They definitely did. That's um, <laughs> the amount of times that I've seen 14 points up in the second half as a Knights fan and then they get chased down. And uh, it was just really rewarding to see as a fan. It was really rewarding to, for all the players to see how much they really enjoyed it. Uh, and also in front of a crowd of, I think it was only 14,000, but the Titans never bring that huge crowd. Um, well, they don't really get huge crowds at home or anywhere else. They're not a very popular team, Nagy. I don't think they have many fans. Well, you seem to be the only person who likes the Gold Coast that I've ever met. I don't care for the place. I mean, <laughs> as a kid, it was great. You've got the amusement parks, blah, blah, blah. Mm. 
as a grown up, I just don't see the allure, but you loved the place. There's not much there. Oh, yeah, I lived there for a while. And it was just, it's a real bubble. It's just lots of tall buildings. Uh, no one's ever from there that you meet. Everyone's traveled there. So it's just this bubble of strangers. Uh, it's but the first bubble you've lived in, is it now? No, no always. Your immune system the way it is. <laughs> That's soon to be popped. But Liam, 2430. Um, I'll jump shot. What, what went right? What went right for you? What Liam? went right, Nagy? It looked plenty. Obviously, winning. That was the first one that went first, right. But the dip. control that was showed particularly by Mitchell Pierce. We ended up compl- uh, finishing with 53% per- percent possession. possession. Yeah. But it was all possession that was very well controlled. I think there were, we went out of our we went um, lost our way a bit. Yes. Towards the end of the first half and early in the second half, but it was that experience head of Mitchell Pierce who just brought us back into the game. His kicking game was phenomenal. I lost count of how many times the Titans would start their sets coming off their own goal line, you know, inside their own 10 meter line. It was just it was like we've been saying for weeks, you know, you see the impact of Mitchell Pierce when he's not there, but I didn't think you'd see the impact of him being there quite so quickly. I think he really just led the guys around, set the game up, and I think the victory... Well, I don't think he was the best player on the field. The victory was built on the back of him, the way he controlled the game, the way he ran the team around. He was outstanding. Hard running work, Nagy. Now, yeah. we've got our stats, obviously, courtesy of our dear friend, the... Hebrew Thank you, Josh. I've never got that. No. I've never got that bucket. I'm a hell of a percussionist too. I don't know why I've missed it. Um, but we won the running battle. Now, we don't often win the running battle, but we ran for 1,702 metres, Nagy, to their 1,401. And that's a stat that we don't get that often. Never. So to see the forwards, and it, they were led by the back row. Barnett and Fitzgibbon were at exceptional in attack. Guerra was a defensive rock. But we won that running battle. Yeah. The forwards just led the way which is not something we're really used to over the last few weeks it was it was an odd game as a Knights fan uh, not just because of the score and how the game was won but I think um, it was we showed a lot of we, a lot of mongrel a lot of a want of scoring those points and I think if you looked at the score when it we you know uh, at the end of the uh, sorry middle section of the first half middle section of the second where the game was going away from us it looked like we couldn't we couldn't score let alone four four tries um, it was amazing to see it was just just gorgeous and I think it really points to uh, the forward pack works well yeah. when their work is being rewarded, I think. So, yeah, that was another standout for me. We defended a lot better than the scoreline would indicate. I think the scoreline really flattered the Titans. There was one or two freakish tries. The tries were all kind of scored out wide, barring that one outside-in play from Proctor to Gordon to throw you know, a series of offloads to lead to them scoring. But they never really broke us in the middle. They didn't get through. They went over the line a couple of times, and there was some great defensive work. I think from one from Danny Levi, another one from um, Nick Meany. Nick Meany, who uh, had another great game. He was excellent. It was good to see Nick Meany playing well again. Uh, and everyone, you know, it's a bit of a bittersweet because you know that he's not going to be there next year. But you know, in this day and age, you see players come and go. And uh, while we got him, we're using him. Ponga's out, and we've managed to win uh, two out of the three games that Ponga's not there. And he's, you know, he exemplified that by saving that try, and then the next set that march up the field and he scores that try off the Pierce kick. He had a really good game. His positioning was excellent his defense was great he threw threw a bit of ball playing in there and it's going to be a shame not to see him in the number one jersey but it's brownie said in the press conference you know you lose a good player to get a great one back it's not a bad problem to have but so much more went right Nagy. it's wonderful (laughs) connor watson's defense i wanted to highlight this because we spoke i think it was the last game against the eels he had five missed tackles yeah and from the kickoff they were sending keegan hipgrave conrad hurrell to you know, hard-running guys, they're hard to tackle. They sent them at Watson all day, and he didn't miss a tackle. I think he had 
21 odd tackles for zero misses, which is quite something. I think he really realized that he needs to lock up that defensive line out there. And after what Jared Hayne did down his side last week, I think Connor Watson really put his hand up in defense. He was excellent. I thought he was good. He was a little jack in the box as he as he likes to be, and plenty of energy. And he threw, uh, you know, hundred percent. But I think that everyone really threw hundred percent in that game. I didn't really see anyone that was particularly like a, a passenger on this uh, on you know on any particular side. It's going to be very hard to give a hats back on now. But Liam, I'm going to watch your hats off for this round. Who, who now, stood up? There's one man and one man only who I think we came out of the game loving and being, a, you know, adoring and that man is Mitchell Barnett. Yeah. We love Mitchell Barnett here at the Joust. He's absolutely one of our favourites and in game number 50 in the NRL, boy, he just grew an extra leg. And I tell you what, it was almost game, it was game number 50 but it was also, he's he'd only won 11 games um, Jesus, in, in, in really? those 50. So he's, oh God. so he knows that, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it was really important to him and didn't he come out firing? I've always had a thought that on play, when players have like a, you know, running out for their 100th or their 150th or their 300th or whatever, and that's always a bit of a bad omen. Uh, for some reason, I think it just takes off, uh, it doesn't, they don't give their best performances during those games but he had an outstanding game scoring not only his first try for the season, but his second try for the Again, season. Again, without that first try, he couldn't have scored the second. So uh, It would have just been the first. Because now he's off the nudie run, but then now he's back on the nudie run. I he's back I, on the nudie run. As we established earlier in the season, that's how this all works. But looking at the stats make for juicy, juicy reading, Nagy. You've got yeah. two tries. He ran for 155 metres. He had four tackle busts. He had... Two offloads. I still can't work out the offloads thing. I need to write. Two OL. He had yeah. twenty L's or two <laughs> offloads and thirty-five tackles. He was immense. I thought he was best player on the field and a well-earned victory for Barney in his fiftieth. Hats off to Barney, but my hats off this week yes. uh, goes to uh, his partner in crime. Actually, he was playing lock um, in his comeback. He was he's missed the last two games with suspension. And gee, we did, didn't we miss him? Locky fits. Lockie Fitz, the, the the most handsome man in the game, and he's, just a remarkable player. He, he he just continues to play well. And I was when I saw he was benched, I thought, well, that's strong from Brownie to to, to bench a player that's that's you know that, that obviously you know was suspended for something that could have been avoided. You know, it was a bit of a sloppy tackle that, that they defined as a crusher. Uh, actually, it was definitely a crusher tackle. It's about <laughs> it was, yeah, that could be black and white, Nagy. It could be in the dictionary for how to do a crusher, and he, um, <laughs> and just look at that Lockie Fitz tackle. So he missed two games, and they try to. F- they, we, he could have got away with one, but they try to fight it, get downgraded. Uh, he ended up missing two, and it showed how much we miss him down that edge. How damaging he is. He, his his battle with uh, Keegan Hipwell, Hipwell, Hip, Hip Grave, Hip Grave uh, was um was great. He, he landed a great shot on him, and that was, was Barnett. What was it, Barnett? He put the hit on, yeah. Oh, right, right. Yet right. another reason to love Mitch Barnett. But there was a bit of a push and shove towards the end, which could have got us a penalty against. It could have cost us the game, but it didn't. But also another great try from uh, from Lockie Fitz. And which we've actually got a tweet to bring up uh, to the screen. Uh, Mr. Producer Elliot, if we could get uh, that tweet up there. Yeah, interesting. That try that Lachlan Fitzgibbons... Also, Random Footy Facts, one of the best uh, rugby league Twitter accounts out there. So get on it if you haven't had a look yet. That's Lachlan Fitzgibbons' 15th try since the start of last season which is thrice the amount of tries scored by Dane Gagai since the start of 2016. Have we got the better end of that deal? I had to check this. I had to check it because I just didn't believe it. Well, it's random footy facts. He I does know. not get them wrong. It just sounds so incredible that you think that Dane Gagai, at least in that time that we, we saw him as our best player, just didn't score tries from us. And he's, I think, yeah, scored two and then three, and then he's only got one for South. So he's not this prolific try scorer unless he's playing for Queensland. But he's not he's not this <laughs> prolific try scorer that I, for some reason I seem to remember him as uh, when he was playing for the Knights. But Lockie Fitz has just continued on this uh, this this long streak of, of tries 
amazing tries now. He's and like a stronger <clears throat> Beaver Menzies. And he's got, and he sort of does. This, he's got like only one or two go to where it's like he gets the gets the the first runner ball and, he, and leads with his back and spins around the hit and, and spin the hit and spin. But it's almost like he starts to spin. It's like the spin and hit. It's yeah. He starts to spin first before he's made contact. Then they're con- they're grabbing his back. And yeah. He's, well, now hang on. Hang on. I'm going to turn I've around. I've still here. got my front. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. then he whips around because that's exactly what he did for that try. And great numbers all round. He ran for 117 meters, ten tackle busts. Yeah. Which is ludicrous. That's absolutely man, yeah. outrageous. One try, uh, a line break, an offload, and 32 tackles. He was just immense. And. The thing for me, when he ran over AJ Brimson, I know we don't like to see players get hurt. Concussions are terrible things. But as soon as I saw that run and that line that he ran and, you know, stomping AJ Brimson into the ground, I thought, we've got Stephen the- Simpson. Oh, Stephen Simpson, yeah. Stephen yeah, yeah. Simpson. We've, we've been saying it for a while. He could be the next Simpson. It very well could be. He he's, is. His form's good enough for it. Uh, and if you know, if he finishes the season well, he's going to be put in that that echelon of like he's a try scoring back row and with the workload to, to match it. Now, Nagy, I'm very glad you brought that up because that, ladies and gentlemen, is our word of the week: echelon. Echelon. Excellent work, Nagy. Thank Echel- you all for playing along at home. It's Love a, our word of the it, week. It's been yeah, it's my favorite segment. That's a good one too, Nagy. Echelon. 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 Uh, but no, it was it's he's he's just an exciting player, and he you know I think a lot of people thought might have been a bit of a flash in the pan at the back end of the last season when he started to find this this form, and but you know he's proven that he, over the course of the season again, it's, I think you know it's about eight tries again. It's it's uh, and if you get a few more, he's just going to be put uh, put with those really high class representative back rowers, and we've got him. Another player who had vet. A somewhat quiet, great game, which we don't really expect from him, was Dan Safidi. Yeah. Usually, when Dan Safidi has a great game, he's heralded as you know the, the the greatest player on the on the field because there's not much going on around him. But with how well the back row played and you know some of the backs, it, I feel like Dan Safidi was kind of overlooked, but he was immense. He ran for 177 meters, made 30 odd tackles, and again every time he ran the ball, he had four and five defenders coming in to make the tackle. As I say, it was very hard to give a hats back on, and I really think I don't think I can give you one, Liam. Do you have one? Come on, you're thinking of someone. Look, the we're still having the problems on the fringes. Yeah, the fringes in defence are still our weak point. But again, it's good that that's. You think Corey One Dennis of our again? few you, weak points. You're looking at Corey. I thought Corey Dennis actually wasn't bad. I yeah. mean, that penalty he got uh, for taking out Anthony Don in the air, I thought that was a 50-50. Might have gone against him. But yeah. again, in the press conference, Brown, he said, these are still young players with a more experienced bloke. That mistake doesn't happen. But the way the Titans got around us a few times, while I don't think it's hugely detrimental, it's still a bit of a blight on the team. So it'd have to be for me. I think Ken Seo went in a few times where he didn't really need to for the yep. Anthony Don try firstly and then uh, something else later on. But uh, yeah, We've definitely sw- swapped up with that, that winger centre pairing and look, they're even at their, their best, they're not the strongest wing centre pairings um, in, in, the, in the game. Uh, so they are definitely our weak spot. But um, they're ours but and they're we ours. love them for it. They may not be... And it was like, I remember, I'll never forget this, Phil Gould was commentating a Roosters game once. Sean Kenny Dow made an absolute howler of an error. And Gus just kind of went quiet and said, no. That's what you get. That's just Sean. That's just and Sean. And that's why we love him. And he did do another howler as well, the drop-off. But he got it this to the winning... Fix the howler. Fix the howler. As he does. And I get it. Yeah. I understand why Gould said that. It's like, yeah, he's got some errors. And the errors you see out of him are going to be... <sighs> yeah, yeah. Mind-boggling. Good. But everything else he does makes up for it. It was a really good try to, to really seal it off. Uh, and also, he's moved back to the centres. 
Um, there uh, were a few things that went wrong for me, though. Oh, I've got to say this before we, we... On the positive... Oh, Nathan, stay, let's stay positive. Nathan Ross ran over 200 metres. Uh, and, you know, in, in a game uh, where that's probably something he prides himself on, getting out of trouble out of that red zone when he was here, he was saying that that's something that he, you know, that he sees as, as his job when, the, you know, when they get pinned back with a kick to, to work out of the red zone. And, you know, over 200 metres is uh, is huge for a back. Uh, and it's like you said before, you know, if, his best position is on the wing and that's what he was always very good at, yeah. working out of the red zone. And he did it really well. But I wonder how many of those 217 metres were after the referee blew his whistle oh, yeah. and he still ran 80 metres to put the ball under the post. I was upset to see that get called back, even though every 15,000 people knew <laughs> that that was going to get called back. Uh, and then, like, did he? I think maybe thought, well, maybe go to the bunker and, and think... Uh, Maybe we'll sk- we'll get a try out of this. Also, kid. seeing how excitable he is, and you know he's looking for work in the media. I like to imagine he was streaking away downfield, commentating himself. Himself. <laughs> Ross gets to the ball. Ross puts it on the toe. He put it on the toe twice. Ross under the post. And it's two very well weighted kicks. They were actually. They were quite exceptional. So Rossi, you got that try in our hearts. Mate. Yeah, you definitely got. It Maybe for not us. on the scoreboard. <laughs> on our hearts. No, it was good. He scored a try all what over. What went wrong, our Liam? Oh, a couple of things. There was still some classic nights from the last few years in that match. It kind of started around the 17th minute. We were pressuring the Titans line. We were playing the territory game. Bam, they get around us, run downfield and score. And then again, we we sort of worked our way back up, looked to apply pressure. Bam, they go around us again, score down the other end. It just seems like when we do make mistakes, when we do let the other team back in, they tend to capitalise. We're not good at recovering well from those errors. And it was a a few times you saw it. There was pressure built, pressure built, no score, error, Titans score down the other end of the field. I still think that's a bit of a weakness within the Knights, recovering from those errors. Better teams won't do it. They'll make the mistake, but then they'll rally, you know, try and get possession back, force the error and continue on. So that still worried me. And especially between 25 and 35 minutes, there was defensive lapses. There was a few penalties. We just invited the Titans back into the game. So like I said... I think the scoreline flattered the Titans because the Knights just kept inviting them back in. Now, Liam, uh, there was a bit of mathematics done uh, by someone on, on an NRL Reddit, um, subreddit thing, uh, but and they've done their maths, and now I'm going to put it out there and say that that win was very significant because of well, the way the ladder's structured is that that means that we're not getting the spoon this year. So I think that's, that should be everyone. Well done. We did it. We did it. Finally, 2018, year of the night, ladies and gentlemen. And um, thank you, thank you, everyone. Uh, it's it's important to see that you know, no spoon um, because you know there's now teams. There's three teams going to be fighting out to see who gets it. I think the Titans are still in in the mix there at 14 points. Potentially Manly as well. Manly so that look, makes it four. Cowboys. These teams are all like you know now they're in their mind. They're going home tonight thinking we can't come last. Manly's never got the spoon before. I think it's they have not. So this is a huge time to to really be like changing of the guard at the end of the season. Even if we finish in that bottom third, right? We're not on everyone's lips as far as like, well, at least we're not that team. And also, that adds that for the rollover of next year when we're trying to attract players and they look at those bottom four sides and they go, oh, well, where am I going to go? Who's offering me money? And they look at those bottom four sides and then they they think, well, the Knights are offering me plenty of money because we still have heaps of money um, and but then we're not in that mix a war chest they call it now a war chest described as a war chest in the press but you're right it's like we spoke about earlier in the year you know we were asked to give predictions and such and we're usually wrong mm. but we were kind of close you know it, the third year of a rebuild we're looking anywhere between eighth and kind of 12th yeah and we're sitting pretty in that sort of 
It's echelon again, again to reuse word, our word, word of the week, week above where we have been the last three years. And again, I think a lot of Knights fans are forgetting where the teams come from. I think it also there's an interesting fact uh, brought up on one of the supporters' pages that it, um, that with Connor Watson and Mitchell Pearce starting the game, um, we've only lost one game, and that was to the Roosters when we lost Watson very early. That that combination has been hugely successful and turned into like you know showed that it's winning. It's a winning combination, uh, and you know, now with I oh know I don't want to like you know clap and cheer that we've got eight wins of the season. Fuck We're that, not- we got eight wins. Let's clap and I, cheer. I, I, no, no, Where's clapping? Clapping's Thank you, Nagy. Clapping. The um, but uh, <laughs> but it's exciting to see that um, where we were this time last year and. And, you know, destined for the spoon again and, and destined for this, you know, where we got to rebuild, but it won't be this year. And all the fans, it gives the fans something, something to go home with. And I know we've still had masses of disappointment this year. Uh, but, you know, to think that if Pierce stayed on the field, maybe we, we would be in finals contention. Uh, we're still a mathematical chance. We're always a mathematical chance, Nagy. <laughs> we probably won't well, be. Well, no, we not always. It. If we lose another one, we probably won't be anymore. Well, again, my mathematics isn't great, Nagy. So <laughs> you'll have to forgive me for that. Also, something strange that happen my father and I the week before at the Eels game were discussing the problem uh, in Newcastle that we have with the KKK now the problem we have with the KKK Nagy is Kenny's kickoffs conundrums of course now Ken Seo has been kicking off for us pretty regularly since Pong has been out took over the kicking from Ponga and he very rarely struck an effective kickoff you know your classic NRL kickoff lands in the end goal the front rower takes it from the end goal ends up somewhere around 15 to 20 metres out Kenny's kicks were landing Short or long. On the 30, on the 20, but not with enough height that we could contest. Yeah. And they just weren't great. And one, and went, then one went long Against as well. the Titans, he ends up, he goes out and kicks one out on the full. Yeah. I didn't know he could kick that far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he, well his conversion rate was good. That's it. He's really been working, actually. I think we got to give a bit of credit to Kenny. Yeah. Credit to Kenny. Credit to Kenny. What can I add? Another K. <laughs> Hashtag give credit to Kenny. Yeah, because he's, that's something he really seems to have worked on, which is which is good. Cause it's <laughs> easy to forget how young he is. He's only 24. What? He looks 30. Ken Seo is not 24 years so old. That's what I thought. I'm going to have to look this up. Ken, <laughs> can you uh, give us a call after he's the show, please? Mate? I'm sure of it. Really? Yeah. No, because I thought the same, and then I was like, no, he's actually quite young. Oh, I'm going to have he to look this up. He looks much older than, than he, he is. He looks terribly old. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Kenny. Sorry, Kenneth Albert. He's but 27. Oh, thank you. We he's were both wrong. Thank you very much, producer. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Producer. He was man. right in between. He was. Oh, there you go. There you go. So we were kind of both right. We were kind of, and both incredibly wrong. Kind of in the same way I was right about my score prediction. Yes. No, you, <laughs> no, last week uh, for the score prediction, obviously you were very close with, uh, I can't remember exactly what you said. You said 30-22. And it was 30-24. If we didn't get that penalty, you would have been right. Damn it, Kenny. But no, that was good. It was good. Uh, I can't remember what I said, but it was Oh, no, wait. If we, yeah, if we didn't get the penalty. Yes. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Kenny. My bad. <laughs> yeah. But um, our, we'll, move, we'll move forward, Liam. Mm. Move forward because it was such a great game and hopefully we can carry that on to uh, the Cowboys game. Now, we're yeah. back in the graveyard shift. That's right where we feel at home. But again, it's uh, looking at the crowds. We love the graveyard shift. Yeah. And, you know, why wouldn't we? We've got Shortland. We've got the biggest graveyard in the Southern Hemisphere. But it's up there, Liam. It's up there in the, this game. Oh, it's up in Townsville. It's up in Townsville. Oh, we get okay. so, we've, we've had five home games in a row. We're so accustomed. <laughs> to them well I was and I went straight into that huh? yeah yeah no it's up there oh. it's, uh, but we're still at home we're at home in our, our time slot that we like uh, and we're up there against a team that is out of form I think they've lost for a lot of, in a row all of them all of them they've uh, you know they're another team that's now fighting off the spoon and I think they were in everyone's top four at the I beginning of the season I tipped them as premiers I thought they were going to be premiers with the acquisitions they've made the return of Thurston and Scott yeah. but it's like a few rugby league pundits have been saying the Cowboys got old overnight. You know, last year they showed such resilience, making it through the grand final, and they come out this year 
and they just look slow. They look old. They look like they're playing a game plan that they can't execute. I don't know. The Cowboys are in some real trouble. But again, it would be a classic Knights move to go up there and lose. The one player that I think could really seal the win from us is going to be the return of Kalen Pong. Oh, the return of KP. It's uh, it's it's going to be the one. You know, if you think about a team that didn't give him a go when he knew he was good enough. Uh, he he you know he wanted to play fullback. They said you're not a fullback. Uh, and you know kept Lachlan Coote over him. Now Lachlan Coote's fighting for his spot. Uh, and the the team could really use the Kalen Ponga. And he gets to go back up there to his old home. He'll be getting heaps of stick off the crowd. No, he won't. He will. They're be... lovely. They're, no. He's lovely. They love him. Everyone loves him. No one will be giving him stick. No, well, it's 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 going to be... It, I'll look... punch every single person who individually, <laughs> individually. I'll line them up. Yeah. Anyone who boos him, I'll punch him in the face. There's probably no one that goes to Cowboys games up there anymore. Good no, point. It's, uh, but look, he's like, obviously, he's he's been a great acquisition for us. Probably uh, more than anyone could have ever hoped. And he's going to go back up there and everyone's going to be like, we should have had kept him. You've left us. You know what it's like when bitter, it's like when, you know, people like Ben Kennedy leave and it, like they left over the, the terms of the contract and it was all like, you know, shake hands, good luck. And then when they're playing well again, they come back in and it's like, oh, you betrayed us. <laughs> Why? Uh, Why yeah, uh, uh, but so it's going to be a little bit like that, but it's, um, I can just see him tearing the defensive line to pieces and playing with that real fire because he, he really wants to... Uh, to come out and win, and obviously there's talks of him probably coming back for the Titans game, and they with uh, with his hamstring injury holding off for another week, which I think was a great move. Agreed, I think it was a very smart decision. It's uh, mind you, that's only after the win. Hindsight's a beautiful thing, <laughs> um, but it's because uh, if we lost that close game, we'd be like, if only we had Ponga. You ever think about the name Hamstring? Ham Hamstring, like ham on a string, or like you know when you. Roasting your ham, you you wrap string around it. Where did oh, the yeah. ham come from? I don't know. Why? Because I've got hamstrings. Yes. I don't think they look like a string of ham. Yeah, no, no. You talking about the string? They wrap it up like crisscross over. Well, the that's ham. what I'm thinking. It could be that, or it could be like a ham mm. hanging on a string for curing. For curing. Could mm. be. I don't know. Any um. Oh, actually, we'll any butchers we'll get out there. Kirk, or? Yeah, we'll get Kirk Gidley on the phone and uh, yeah. just double check. Why is a hamstring called that? Because if anyone's going to know, it's going to be a butcher, a former. Purveyor I don't want to hear fine mates. any. Uni-educated doctors or, (laughs) you know, body anatomy experts. I want to hear it from a butcher who knows about ham. What about a swine expert? (laughs) Yeah, I'll take that. Okay. Is that a job? Uh, well, I think it's just probably a pig farmer would be a swine expert. Ooh, probably. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll we'll look into this uh, and we'll get back to you about it. But it's uh, look, Ponga, the way he plays the game and the way he, like he's so, uh, you know, the burst of energy that he has and uh, it would put like for coming off a hamstring. Uh, if it was just a prop, that's sort of like running up, down, up, down. But him, you know, trying to play at his best, and you know he would if uh, he's not going to go out there and play on, you know, in third gear. He's really going to. Give it his all. So I, I worried that he was going to come back and do his hamstring again. Um, and so luckily we hold off another week and hopefully he doesn't do it and he just tears the Cowboys to pieces. And to see the Pierce-Ponga combination and more importantly for me, the Ponga-Fitzgibbon combination mm. back together again, getting the old band back together again, it just fills my heart with joy. It fills my heart with unbridled glee and I'm very excited I'm for the re- game against the Cowboys. And again... In classic Knights fashion, they may lose. I'm very excited for it as well. Because it's a away game, um, I'm not real sure where I'm going to watch it, being a Friday night, but I'll tell you what, I might watch it. The Commonwealth Hotel, Liam. It's a wonderful venue. I might watch it there with you, Naggy. Because, you know, you can just finish work, you know, roll into the commie. Great food, great times. Cold, cold beers. Cold beers. It's cold outside, but it's warm in there. Mm. But not the kind of warmth that you get from, like, the sun. It's more the warmth (laughs) you get when you go home at Christmas time. 
And it's just, you know, because it's... When you're su- drunk. <laughs> it's that it's, alcohol burn. It's the same burn. The burn's it's going down your throat. It warms you up. <laughs> opens up the blood vessels. and allows you just to be free of inhibitions. It does. At the Commie. At the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth <laughs> Hotel. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. Now, Liam, time for the news. <laughs> oh. Huge, a lot of news coming in. Uh, the newsreel just kept on pumping out t- tonight. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll probably start with uh, a little rumour that doesn't seem to go away. Now, a wee little rumour that doesn't seem to go away. And I was prepared to put it to bed until I read, yes, no, what day is it today? Monday, until I read Saturday's Tui's News column. Now, we've been talking about yeah. the po- possibility of David Clement to the Knights, which uh, personally I've been all for. I think it'd be great, but... I didn't think it had legs. I thought it was one of these rumours that come out of the mole where, you know, there's a rich pl- there's a player who deserves big money. Let's link him to the Knights, blah, blah, blah. Yep. However, Barry Tui then uh, reported on it and I got a feeling. I was like, hang on, if Barry's reporting on it, this has legs. Yes. And the direct quote from Barry was, this does have legs. legs. <laughs> now, the situation as it stands thus far is that Nathan Brown mm-hmm. missed the coaches, uh, sorry, the captain's run. The uh, before, day before the Titans game because he was down at a funeral of a former... Uh, former Dragons player? No. Yeah, former Dragons player, I think. So he's down there. Uh, on the way back up the F3, he stops into the Twin Servos. Now, who should happen to be at the Twin Servos but Lynn Anderson, chairperson of the Bulldogs, yeah. and Chris Anderson, her husband, former coach player of the Bull, coach and player of the Bulldogs, and they had a chat. Yeah. And obviously David Clemmer came up and Nathan Brown tactfully said... We'll take him off your hands if you want. Yes. And so this conversation has begun. The ball has started rolling and there was a report from uh, a confirmed third party who's apparently a, a fairly reputable source that okay. Clem has been asked about moving to Newcastle. He'd happily relocate his young family. He's under market value at the dogs. He's his own agent. So he, he uh, signs contracts under market value because he ends up waiving the 10 to 15% they'd get anyway. Right. He also has a sister in Madawi. Oh, really? So the dot-to-dot puzzle yeah. is coming together, and it's starting to look, again, not... This, it feels Pangai Jr.-ish again. He's taking does. photos at Newcastle. He's like, oh, what a beautiful place. I really miss home. And then he's just like, but I'm not leaving Brisbane. But that's what I thought until Barry reported on it, because it, it's as we know. you know, Barry is the greatest rugby league journalist Newcastle's ever known. Yeah. He doesn't get things wrong. No. He, he you know works really hard to make sure that what he's reporting on has a basis in reality. So... Up until I saw that article, I, I, I thought it was all, you know, a, a fairy tale. Pish posh. Dream. Pish yeah. posh and yeah. something else. The w- whimsical. <laughs> Whimsy. And, uh, Whimsy. And all, yeah. But now Barry's talked about it and I think, my God, wouldn't that be incredible? Well, it starts to put it, you start to think, oh, Clemmer at the night. You think Clemmer and Safiti, two giant men, uh, you know, just digging holes into into the defensive line uh, and also with their feet because they're also giant. Uh, and they're it's huge feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, look, but I, again, I just don't want to... Until someone's like either visiting the club and getting the, the, the famous tour now, the Brownie tour, um, unless it, they're actually there and, and physically uh, and actually considering it 
I can't really get excited about it because it's just happened to us too many times. With Remember Matt Scott? He looks Ugh. certain to sign. Remember James Graham? He was like, oh, apparently it's already done. And like, you know, that's what I got told. It's like, oh, the contract's there. He just needs to put his signature on it. Uh, which actually is probably the really key part of the whole contract exactly. signing Exactly. That's the part they need to focus on. <laughs> Forget <laughs> the tour. Just focus on the, the signature. They say, what well, we got you here? Do you want to actually sign the contract? <laughs> they forgot to ask him to sign. That's the problem with Matt Scott and James Graham. They sent him on his way, put him back to the plane and said, see you, Matt. And they're like, shit, we forgot to ask him to sign for a club. <laughs> In the end, <laughs> there's going to have to be, uh, the Bulldogs will have to release him. Which Be- they have indicated they really don't want to. He, they, yeah. It's him and Josh Jackson. They're the two big money players they want to retain to build to rebuild the club around because they're going through a similar rebuild. But the situation they're in is so bad that they might not be able to hold on. They might only be able to hold on to Josh Jackson. And Clemmer also mm. said in an interview last week that he would not leave the Bulldogs. He, he loves it staying there, but by the end of the interview said, I, I'll gladly leave the Bulldogs. <laughs> he, thought, he thought about it. <laughs> he enough. thought about it and said, if that's what's right for the club, I'll leave the Bulldogs. What I can see happening, uh, the only reason why I think he might leave uh, and, and that, is that because the Bulldogs will, you know, have all these players on back end of contracts, he probably wants to stay. Like, why would you want to stay at a club? Uh, because you enjoy playing for them. Why do you enjoy playing? Because you enjoy the team. But the team isn't going to look the same in two years' time. The team's going to go through a complete rebuild. He's going to have to really step up his leadership skills. He's going to have to go through, you know, he's going to be where the Knights was in 2016 in the next few years. Uh, he's going to be with all these players, which probably in his mind as a professional athlete, you think, they're not even you know, on my level. I'm I'm a step above. That's and it. He's a New South Wales and Australian representative. And the, the team, the, the experienced guys like Tolman and Eastwood, and, the, and what, they'll lose at least one Morris. Um, uh, They've so, already lost one. So they oh, went to the Sharks. Yeah. yeah. And the other one's rumoured to be signing for the Roosters. So I think they're going to lose both Morai. So it's like, you know, do they think, well, that's that's it. And we'll, we'll try to secure Clemmer and make sure that he's happy. Or does Clemmer go, well, everyone's leaving anyway. You know what I mean? It's like trying to stay at a party when, you know, all your mates have gone. On. You either risk it and think, do I talk to that bloke over there? But he's been by himself the whole time, uh, or do I just, you know, go? I go elsewhere because there's there's nothing left for me. But here. again, this brings me confidence, Nagy, because every time I've left a party and you've been there on your own, I get a message the next day. Oh, I met this bloke this out bloke. the back of a, a factory, and we yeah. had a wonderful evening together. Yeah, yeah. that sounds. Not, sorry, sus- yeah. <laughs> let me confirm. Not romantically. It's just Nagy's such a wonderful and friendly person that. You know, if I leave the pub or I leave a party, Nagy's on his animal. He's fine. He's fine. He's great. He'll, he's he's going to make a new friend for life tonight. He'll find someone to talk to. Yeah, I do. absolutely. I, and I think that's a very endearing feature of yours, Nagy. I do like to chat. There was another rumor about Napa as well coming to the Knights. Oh, I heard about that. Mm. And that actually was an interesting one in an article I read the other day. Might have been Barry Toohey again, actually, about the new dynamic around recruiting. Yeah. So traditionally, it's been your CEOs, your head of footballs, your coaches. They'd go out, you know, scout the players, and it would all be run through the top. Yeah. But we started to see with, especially with Mitchell Pierce at the Knights, players are networking now. Players are messaging each other and saying, I'm at this club and it's red hot. Mm. You should come play and putting them in contact. And it sounds like Pierce obviously has been working that angle a bit with the Roosters. And I think it's wonderful. I think, especially if you're trying to build a team, not just build a side. If you're trying to build a team, you want players who fit together. You want players (laughs) who... You want an existing team that you can just take, and we have the Roosters. Well, it's working out okay for us so far, but if we can get more, that'd be great. But there's this whole new dynamic around recruitment that the players are sort of starting to take back, back a bit of control and saying, well, hang on, we want to succeed, but we also want 
to succeed as a team with as people team, we, we enjoy w- playing footy with. And they want to win. They want to win. Yeah. yeah. And they want to share that winning feeling. Much like mm. Peyton says, he wishes that all his friends could uh, could have been there during those those wins. Now, but Liam, obviously it's changing. Recruitment's changing. But another thing that might be changing is the bunker. Because oh, my word. The bunker. I'm sick of hearing about it, Nagy. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about it a little bit more because mm. it wasn't a debacle in the Canberra Sharks game. It was a debacle of unparalleled. Yeah. Unparalleled. Yeah. Uh, gravity. Now, for those who didn't see it, we've got a clip here of the bunker debacle, uh, and it 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 pretty much started that there was uh, the sharks coming through. Now, just to fill in, the Canberra Raiders are playing for a spot in the finals after a very poor start. The sharks uh, are well inside the top four. Now, let me set the scene, Nag. Yes, yeah, set it. Ball goes past Ramian. Now, the touch judge at this point raises his flag. Indicating that he's not sure if Ramian touched it. Or no, if he's not it, sure if Ramian touched it. It initially went up no try. So they need to find concrete evidence that Jesse Ramian has touched it, knocked it on in order to overrule it. There was no concrete evidence. So first of all, they've miffed that one really badly when Sione Katoa picks up the ball and goes over the line. But as you're going to see in a wee moment here, as the ball clears Jesse Ramian, the touch judge is then going to put up his flag. Now the referee... Has a fairly clear there line of sight Oop. on him. The flag goes up, but the referee doesn't stop play. The Canberra players have seen the flag go up. And, y- you know, there's that old argument we, we all heard in under eights. You play the, the whistle. whistle. Yeah. But at the same time, I can understand why they would go into that situation. So if the referee... Sorry, if the touch judge... I read the rule. If the touch judge puts his flag up and the referee misses it or doesn't call it, he still has to look over, get the word from touch and say, yeah. all right, sorry, scrum. We have to form a scrum. But it was just... What, what's happened here, Liam, is that the referees now, with the whole bunker situation, the referees have just taken a step back and they're so insecure about their decision-making ability on field that they said, let technology do it for us. We've got all these cameras. Let's, And that's obviously been an instruction given. So the flag's gone up. He's put it back down again. Uh, the, the whistle's gone to the mouth. They said, let's just play on and then we'll have a big review. What is the point of having four referees on field, one in the th- and then all of them apparently can't communicate to each other and say, I don't actually reckon that's a try. No try on the field. Then, uh, you know, to, for them to be like, well, now that's definitive evidence that it in fact was a try. But if the it, surely if, if one of the officials stops it, the other one's going to back him. That's just surely how it works. Unless he says, no, I saw it clearer than you, and he definitely didn't touch that, which he didn't hear. Which is, it's just bizarre, but honestly, I saw it coming. I saw things like that coming. At the start of the year, we had the crackdown. Everyone went nuts on the crackdown, basically said to the refs, you're not doing your job, you're all terrible at it. So they were forced to, you know, reshuffle, rework mid-season, which doesn't work for anyone. It's it's the same thing that happens to a club. If they go through massive upheaval mid-season, they're having a bad back end of the year. And I don't get what these people thought would happen. When they saw the crackdown, they thought, oh, well, we're just going to rubbish and rubbish until it goes away. Everything's going to go back to normal. It doesn't work like that. It's gone back. And yes, the refereeing has been very bad the last few weeks, but it's because they're so unsure. They don't know what the fans want. They don't know what the commentators want. They don't know what the NRL wants. They don't know what, you know, basically they're being told from so many different directions how to do their job. And it just needs someone to come in and completely sweep it out and say, all right, this is how it's happening. Um, Bernard Sutton, referee's boss, called Ricky Stewart the next day. Yeah. Apologised for that. And also the no try to Brad Abbey, which uh, was, was in the closing a Ford, minutes. Ford called a forward pass, but wasn't. But in- there shouldn't be phone calls like this being made because 
the referees need to have a clear and decisive understanding of how they're running the game, why they're running the game in that particular manner, and you know what are going to be the results of that. So for me, yes, it was a bunker howler, but the problem isn't the bunker itself. Everyone's too quick to say, oh, the bunker's shit. It was a waste of $2 million. You have the technology, but if the people using the technology or the people who are relying on the technology aren't doing their job, the technology's useless. If we had the bunker, it's just a video ref. It should work brilliantly, but because the referees and everyone in and around the refereeing are being pulled so many ways and being given so many different agendas. They don't know how the hell to put it together in some sort of cohesive vision. And so at this point, the refs are just like, well, shit, we're just going to take what we've got and I guess run with it. And it comes across as a very short-term kind of fix. And it's just so classically rugby league. Try and fix something. It doesn't Doesn't go the way you hoped. Shit can it. And then blame the people who have been shit can for being shit. <laughs> the, it's honestly pissing me off so badly yeah. because it's such a symptom of a lot of rugby league's failings, and yet it's all being thrown back on the refs. I'm not. Well, they threw it back on the touchy for that, and they it? threw it back on the touchy. They've thrown that poor touchy. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, touchy. Yeah, they've thrown it back on that poor touchy. They've thrown him under the bus. The referees' boss needs to take accountability and say, yeah. "Look, I'm, you know, clearly I'm not giving." the right direction or whatever. It's not going the way it needs to be. There just needs to be someone going, stamp some authority, be able to kick back to the NRL and say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Yeah. We're transparent. Oh my God. Nagy, it, I, I know you'll go on and on. And on. I'll, I'll stop you there, Liam, but it's, uh, but <laughs> it's, it, it, look, unfortunately the, the money they've invested in the bunker and the, and the sort of the way that technology is used in the game. Now, I can't see them taking a backwards step. I can't see them, going back to one referee I can't see him and I know the captain's challenge I know there's going to be like different things coming up but I just I just think that the the NRL for the rest of this season is too stubborn and they're going to stick to it and look back and go we really buggered that up now Liam before we therein can- lies the other problem though Nagy yeah. this is just a shorter one we can't go back we yeah. have the technology the bunker is getting all the video angles from every camera on the ground so they're seeing what the fans can see in replays they're seeing what the fans can see if you go back to the old video referee system they don't have all those visions that the fans are going to get so if anything goes wrong the fans are going to blow up and say well why don't we have a system in place where we can look at all of it we have that well it, it, uh, we missed something they missed something in the in a, the previous game on Friday night which uh, we also have a video of, of uh, we went straight back to the backseat long car drive sibling fighting of hair pulling <laughs> uh, which I don't think we would have uh, you know seen a great deal of before this but what's that player's name Liam? Uh, for that's Corey Harawira Naira yeah yeah and what we're about to see here now I'm glad we brought this up next because I'm in a bit of a tiz right now but Corey Harawira Naira uh, was off the ball I believe and what we see, if you'll keep your eye to the left of the video, young Anthony Milford has grabbed him by the afro and has just wrenched him to the ground. It was actually a pretty good hair pull. And you'll note that Milford just ran away and Corey Harawin and Ira ran after him. It wasn't for Milford being fat. He's, you know... Harawira and Ira's got about 20 kilos on him. Look at him. He takes him off his feet and onto the ground by the hair. Now, Milford copped it fine for this, and uh, and but nothing on field. No sin bin. No, surely that's some sort of professional fear. You can't grab another man off the ball by the hair. Something that you know is attached to them with small needle-like threads, only to, to pull him to the ground. That's a very good point, because initially I thought it was a fairly minor thing deserving of punishment, but I was like, well, does it... You know, deserve a bit on the sidelines. Also, I'm, I must watch too many YouTube videos because as soon as he pulled his hair, I was just expecting like, a, you know, a weave to come off. <laughs> so I watched too many YouTube videos of women fighting. They're hilarious. And They're they really all, funny. all the hair. Apparently, they women, all have wigs. Wool all wigs. women wear wigs. All yeah. all women who get in fights wear wigs. wigs. Yeah. And then every time they get in a fight, it's just 
the wig comes off. Might but, be like um, it's like a, it's like you know a lizard's tail, or when yeah, it gets yeah. attacked by a bird, it just drops off. <laughs> that's exactly. So they know they're going like. to get into a fight. That's what I was expecting. Liam, it's you better open your sack because <laughs> we're running very short on time. That's it. That's oh, that's, that's the last one. Sorry, I've lost count. Thank you, thank you, Naggy. Right. Excellent sack work again this week, guys. Now we've got a few. I've combined a few into one because there were some similarly themed ones. But first question, Rod Cade asks. Starts with a statement. The forward pack fired yesterday. Guerra in defence, Fitzgibbon in attack, and our other boys handled the opposition's larger pack. Question is, how do we fill some of the holes out wide? Yeah. Well, with the players that we've got at the moment, uh, you know, the, you'd have to just keep the players that are playing well in the positions that they're playing in. Uh, obviously, Sione's going to be out for a few more weeks, but it looks like SKD did enough in the centres to keep him there. The real conundrum uh, probably comes up with uh, with Meany, um, you know, a player that's now played two uh, solid games at uh, at fullback, and now do you move him into like the wing? Do you move Corey Dennis off? Move Ross back to the center, uh, and uh, and you know and and put put Meany in there. Like you know, it's it's, it's a toughie now. It's I a toughie. Do you think but we do have obviously moving forward. We're filling holes with our recruitment. We've got Ram incoming, Edric Lee. Yeah, there's still some depth spots to be filled, but those holes are very slowly but surely being filled. Edric Lee's been in. Excellent form Excellent for the form. Sharks. He's been really good. Yeah. I think he's going to prove to be low-key one of the signings of the year next year. But we're starting to fill the holes. And I think all you have to do for the rest of the year is just grit our teeth and wait it out. And yeah. the holes are being filled. Yeah. But I'm glad you mentioned Nick Meany because that leads into our next question. Now, thematically, we had three users. Uh, Marcus James Harborn, Liam Bones-Jones and Daniel Turner posting similar questions. So... Boys, if you don't mind, I've sort of put it into a collaboration. Mm. Uh, where do we fit Meany with Ponga back? Does he go to the wing at the expense of Ross and Orsia, which you touched upon briefly there, Nag? Yeah, no, I think yeah, you'd move Ross back into Dennis's centre position, uh, and then you'd have SKD and Ross, you know, beginning starting as a wingers, and you move into the centres, and you have Sia, and then you put Meany on the wing. I feel like if you had Meany um, at uh, at centre, you'd be too much pressure on him. So you, you, I think it's important to keep, you know, I think he, he plays a good role at the wing. But then again, does he provide the same get out of red trouble that uh, that a player like, you know, that a player like Ross or SKD does when they drop back? So that's my concern. I mean, Meany, he's been great, but he's not a big body. He may not have the, you know, the, the power in him to get those hard yards, but... Brownie has spoken to him about playing on the wing, playing centre. So there's definitely an option. It's something the club has looked at. I think he, I think he'd do a really good job on the wing. But again, with he, KP and Ross as the back three, it's not a huge back three. Then again, Ken is not a very large man, but he still works really effectively out of out of trouble. So I think Meany could do a great job and. Hell, give him game time. He he deserves the game time. He's shown in his first two games that he's been very good. Yeah. Um, and I I think he'd be great on the wing. I think he'd be very good. I think it's interesting. It's a, like an interesting problem to have, especially when you got a player like Ponga coming back. And and like for most other outside backs, when we've debuted them, they've struggled, and then we've wanted to push them away again. Uh, like the the, the Cogger in, um, example, you know, they'd be like, get him in the side. He's, he's really good. And then he, he plays a couple of games. Like we don't want to see him anymore. Um, sorry, Jack, <laughs> if you're watching. It's not. It's just that it it's feels like my dating life. Yeah. <laughs> in my twenties again. Maybe. I want to date you. I don't want to date you anymore. <laughs> um. So, but we want to keep dating. Nick Meany, even we though, do. Even though we know he's moving. But that's it. We just away. want to keep dating him and have some good times. It's like your early 20s, you know. This isn't your life partner. This isn't who you're going to spend <laughs> your, your the rest of your days with. But let's it, have some fun while we're there. It's a fling with Nick Meany. It's a fling. We're having a fling with Nick Meany. And we're having fun. Yeah. And I think we'll leave on good terms. It won't be a messy breakup. It'll be a good fling with Nick <laughs> Meany. He's like our summer 
fullback. <laughs> summer girl. Our summer girl. The one you'd... In winter. Yeah, in winter. Next question, Nagy. Again, no question here, but yeah. a statement. A statement. Jerkins McJerkins asks, no. Do you have any feedback on that question, Nagy? Which one? No. He just says no. Yeah. On the statement being no. Yeah. No, I don't have any. Thank okay, you. Okay, got nothing? No, thank you, Jerkins. Right, I, uh, I thought I might have something, but no, it's uh, it's not up there. So, <laughs> Final question from Anthony Hickling, dear friend of the show. Mm. Anthony asks, and we did touch on it early, is it too early to pop the champagne and celebrate not getting the spoon again? Oh, I think we did a bit earlier. And finishes with, what a time to be alive. I don't think it's too early to celebrate not getting the spoon again. It's been a long couple of years. It's been hard. We deserve this. Yeah, look, it's it's uh, it's it, we have deserved it. It's it, We've done the yards getting the spoon. And not to say there's not going to be more spoons in the future, but God, it's just nice not to get it one year. It's wonderful. So celebrate, Anthony. Celebrate like your life depends on it. It's, uh, yeah. Really, and social week. And really enjoy it because, you know, the, the, the Knights were put in that position of just being the that oh well losing no play for the Knights or the Knights are shit or the Knights you know and you just hear it again and again and again and you're like stop talking about my team like that because <laughs> we care we care so much so about them celebrate celebrate we don't come last and if we're just in the middle we might as well come second because everyone's just in the middle that's somewhere. it let's either, blow the tits off the rest of this year you're either first or last thank you for joining me very much Liam it's been an absolute pleasure we'll see you next week and if you want to watch us and listen to us you can find us on SoundCloud iTunes Instagram Twitter all those pipes got all the pipes Nagy well all done the pi- I got them all I didn't have to go to you for <laughs> more pipes Excellent. we'll see you next week guys it's been an absolute pleasure